Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. Quick snap, Breeze, pass is incomplete, no flag for Tommy Lee Lewis. Crowd's going crazy as there's no flag right on the Saints sideline. Well, if Nikel Roby Coleman plays the ball, it's an interception. He's probably going the other way with it. I mean, the ball's on the other side of Roby Coleman. That snap, the kick is good. Rams win it, and on to Super Bowl 53 they go. Sean McVay and this Rams team on the road. Yes, there we are. So I'm sure you've seen at this stage that we have our Super Bowl lineup in the NFC Championship game. LA Rams 26, New Orleans Saints 23 after overtime and in the AFC Championship, Kansas City Chiefs 31, Patriots 37 also after overtime. For the first time in the Super Bowl era, both conference championship games went into overtime. John Gonzalez of The Ringer is on the line. Evening, John. Hey, how are you? Good. Last time I spoke to you, you said don't write off the Patriots. Not that I ever would. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I hadn't been so prescient on that one. I was hoping I was going to be wrong about it, but uh, evidently we're all living in a nightmare from uh, which we cannot awake. And it will never, ever end. No, that's true. Yeah. So um, the Saints then, I guess all the talk here, all the fallout has been the refereeing mistake the officials missed that call right at the game we heard the commentary there of Tommy Lee Lewis barreling into uh, Nickel Roby Coleman uh, so explain to the layman just how terrible this call was couldn't have been worse I mean you could have called any number of uh, penalties on that play he kind of led with his head so that could have been a personal foul uh, he clearly got to the wide receiver before the ball did he never turned his head around I mean there were any number of egregious mistakes uh, that were made on that play, he got beat clearly. And afterwards he said, hey, you know, I, I prayed to the football gods and they helped me out of this one. He knew that he got away with a play there. And it's really kind of incredible that uh, not only that they blew that call, but that it completely swung a championship game that ended up sending a different team to the Super Bowl. Mm. I saw him, the Saints coach, Sean Payton, who was livid, as you might expect. He said he was just off the phone with the league office straight after the game. They had apologised. He says, they blew the call. I don't know if there was ever a more obvious pass interference call. Listen, it's tough to get over. We'll probably never get over it. So uh, the NFL, I mean, so bad was this decision. It's been widely reported they're considering now adding pass interference calls to a replay review. They're going to change the rule this was so bad. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that they should look at. If, if everybody at home and everybody in the stands and everybody on both sidelines can see what happened and they still don't get it right, that's probably not a great way to uh, officiate your game. So if there's a way to alleviate those concerns, I think that they should go about that. And similarly, they should look at you know the overtime rules in the playoffs. I mean, for the Kansas City Chiefs not to get a chance – to possess the ball in overtime and the Patriots, they get it because of a coin flip. And then that's how we decide to send the second team to the Super Bowl. That just seems really silly here. I mean, like, what are we doing? Why are we in such a rush? I understand why they do it during the regular season, but during the playoffs, why are we in such a rush to get the game over with? Why wouldn't you want to see the Kansas City Chiefs get a chance with the ball? So explain this to me. I've I've generally seen a few pieces now saying the NFL's 
overtime rules are outdated. As you said, it comes down to a coin toss and there's an argument that the rules in college football are much fairer and more exciting. So can you explain what happens with the coin toss, why it's so decisive and what they're doing in college football, which might be a better alternative? Yeah, it's a, it's a ridiculous system that the NFL has set up for reasons surpassing understanding. I mean, for a long time, they didn't even have this uh, mechanism in place. In the regular season, it was just if you had a tie, you had a tie. But what they do is they flip a coin, and the team that wins the coin toss, if they score a touchdown on their first possession, the game is over. Now, there are arguments to be made for it in the regular season in terms of length of games, getting it over for TV, and also just because of the brutality of the sport that you don't want to have these games go on in perpetuity until you have a winner. But in the playoffs, there's no argument to be made here because you're trying to send teams to the championship game. And so what you saw with the Patriots was – they scored a touchdown on the first possession, and the game was over. Now, had they kicked a field goal, or had they not scored, the Chiefs would have gotten the ball back. It just doesn't make any sense, especially when, as you mentioned, in college football, they start both teams at, I think, the 20 or the 25, and each team gets to score, So, uh, or each team gets to possess the ball. So if the first team scores a field goal and the second team scores a field goal, they just keep going until one team bests the other. It's a lot more exciting, as yeah. you mentioned, and... Not for nothing, it's a lot more fair. Yeah, so a sudden death type situation. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, but it does seem, on the face of it, to seem like a bit of a no-brainer. On the whole, um, so, you know, maybe this point about bringing in replay review of pass interference. I was, there was a very good piece in The Guardian just talking about the AFC game, the Patriots-Kansas game, and apparently it took 59 minutes to uh, complete the last eight minutes and 39 seconds of the fourth quarter. So 59 <laughs> minutes in real time to watch eight minutes yeah. and 39 seconds of action in the fourth quarter, i.e. lots of ad breaks and lots yeah. of... Um, I mean, we have referees over here, former referees on the TV coming in with their tubbins worth on whether a decision <laughs> is right or wrong. So the rules analysts over on NFL coverage are having a bit of a field day. 59 minutes for 8 minutes, 39 seconds. That <laughs> seems like a lot, no? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. And it's not just unique to the NFL. It's I covered the NBA predominantly, and that, that's the same thing happens in the NBA. Once you get into the playoffs, uh, and in the NFL as well, once you get into the playoffs, there are more ads, there are more ad breaks, there are more reviews, there's more time taking away from actual gameplay, and it's boring for everybody. So mm. I think that there needs to be some sort of happy medium between getting these calls right and doing it quickly. Yeah, I would think so. Um, so what about the Patriots' performance then? Uh, well, I saw, I saw it described in several places as a bit of a masterclass from both coaches, but certainly uh, Belichick, who, by the way, is now in his 11th Super Bowl, his ninth as head uh. coach, which is just um, obscene, really. But this was, by all accounts, an incredibly interesting tactical game. Yeah, it was. And, and uh, as a Philadelphian, having seen Andy Reid up close for a very long time, I was hopeful that he would get to the Super Bowl and have a chance to win a title. This was one of his better coached games on the whole. Uh, but still, unfortunately for him, he he faces these situations in the playoffs that end up invariably felling him. So it's unfortunate for him. In that way, he's sort of the, uh, the negative image, the anti-Bill Belichick, because things seem to always go right for Bill Belichick. As you mm. mentioned, how many championship games he's won now. And the Patriots just keep marching forward. And, you know, this was one of those seasons for the Patriots that I thought, you know, they don't look dominant. They, they don't have a ton of skill position players that Brady can really do a lot with. Brady is 41. At some point, Father Time is going to catch up with him. And then they get into the playoffs, and, the, and then they're the Patriots again. Yeah, I saw um, there was a tweet when Tom Brady 
Uh, won his first Super Bowl in 02 of his current teammates. They had Dwayne Allen, 11. Uh, Rex Burkhead was 11. Julian Edelman was uh, 15. Philip Dorsett was nine years old. Gronkowski was 12. Uh, James Shit. White was 10. All these guys were kids watching Tom Brady win his first, so he's still uh, trucking on. Uh, w- like, I saw a few things. Um, Josh McDaniels added eight new plays to the playbook on the morning of the game that the team hadn't practiced, which is fairly phenomenal stuff. What did Belichick yeah. do? How, how did he outsmart his counterpart in this one? Well, I think that it took a while for uh, Kansas City to realize that their linebackers, uh, the Patriots linebackers, couldn't cover the running backs out of the backfield. And... Bill Belichick's a master. He's for all of the things that that I dislike about the Patriots and Boston sports and Boston fans. You have to give them their due. They're really good at taking away things from the other team that they want to accomplish. And it generally takes other teams. The reason why they've been so, so successful in the playoffs is it generally takes them some time to figure out those uh, those game plans from the Patriots and adjust. And sometimes they don't adjust at all. And I think uh, on Sunday, what happened with the Chiefs was they adjusted too late. Okay. What is it you like, you dislike about Boston fans? So I spent some time in Boston, and I think that there's some similarities between uh, pretty much all of the East Coast teams with Boston and Philly and New York. So I think part of it is uh, self-identification. I see myself in them, but they're so successful, and they're so insufferable about <laughs> their success that I really think it would be great, not just for America, but the world uh, writ large, if they would just go away for a little while. <laughs> Uh, there's no sign just yet. So uh, February 3rd, we're in Atlanta this year. Um, how do the Rams and the Patriots match up then? I think if you're just looking at it on paper very dispassionately, I would give the Rams the edge. I think that they've got more skill position players. Obviously, quarterback-wise, it's not, it's not a contest. But they've also got a very good coach, somebody who could potentially give Belichick uh, some problems in terms of their schemes as well. So if I'm just thinking about it like on paper, I'd give the Rams the edge. The problem, as you and I have discussed previously, mm. is you can never count out the Patriots. Mm. Uh, I know. Belichick, Brady, <laughs> it just there's an intangible there, an intangible kind of brilliance. Um, it never ends. Yeah. Who is the halftime show? Did I see Maroon 5? It's, it's somehow Maroon 5. They, okay. they have since added Travis Scott and Big Boy. Big Boy, obviously, from Atlanta. Uh, but yes, Maroon 5. Who decides the halftime show? I, I believe a bunch of older white men in the league office and, and somebody got to them eventually and said, hey, maybe we should have some Atlanta artists on this as well. Right. OK. OK. Um, good stuff. I suspect we'll be talking to you in the uh, build up, John, as ever, from the ringer, John Gonzalez. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We'll take a short break. Football show with Kev on the way. Off the ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.